Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. With open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Twitter, twitter.com, tweet Hood On Instagram, IGJHood, as we broadcast live from our first Midwest Bank studios. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, AMs in my bank account. Yeah, in my bank account. First Midwest Bank. Bank with momentum. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we will get some Kentucky Derby picks from Brian Hanley. Brian was on the program earlier at 7.30. You can go back in the archives of the Under the Hood podcast and hear our conversation. Uh, great conversation with Brian. Longtime colleague. And uh, he gave his Kentucky Derby picks before he left. So I will give you those coming up at 9.30 at the bottom of the hour. Uh, I, I would uh, heed Brian's advice as someone who owns a horse, number one. And number two, someone that uh, that likes to pick uh, these big events and does it very well. So Brian will be you'll be able to hear his thoughts coming up at nine thirty in the Kentucky Derby. Oh, by the way, not just the Kentucky Derby at nine thirty, but also after nine thirty. Throwback Thursday coming up, but we got a good one for you as we always do for Throwback Thursday here on ESPN one thousand and the ESPN app. Glad to have you in today. I have got so much because. Yesterday, I was with the Illinois Media School kids in Lombard, and we were doing air checks, so I, I missed the show yesterday. Missed you. Hope I, You know what? I missed you. Did you miss me? I missed you. Because we had a, a fun time with the kids yesterday at Illinois Media School, the next generation of broadcasters, and uh, going to be back in the chair today to talk to you about a number of things that's been on my mind. Um, one of the things, <laughs> got to get to this. Let me get to this before I forget, okay? Because Throwback Thursday is going to be a little crazy after 9.30, so let me get to some of this. So here's what you want, right? If you are a sports talk show host, what you want is passion. And I think that from my standpoint, I'm giving you the passion that I see as far as the, the topics of the day. And I'm not doing it sleeping. I'm not doing it just haphazardly. I'm telling you how I feel about some of the topics of the day. Well, one of the topics on 106.7 The Fan in, uh, in Washington, D.C., slash Virginia, was the fact that Joe Theismann, and by the way, this is new to me, too. Joe Theismann's number is not retired with the Washington Redskins. For those of you of a certain age, you know that Theismann was a terrific quarterback. And it, you can make the argument that he's one of the faces of the Redskins franchise over the years, right? Well, listen to this guy call in to 1067 the fan talking about Theismann's number like it's going to it's not going to be Theismann's number that's retired or some of these other great Redskins have retired no it's going to be given to someone else the Redskins have drafted quarterbacks over the years and other players at high end positions they've paid a lot of guys a lot of money who could have taken numbers and didn't let's go to Tony in Long Island hey Tony Tony guys how are you good buddy um this is why the Redskins are the Redskins the numbers should be retired. 
and it's really not that complicated, okay? You put Joe Theismann, who was a Super Bowl MVP and the first quarterback to win a Super Bowl for this franchise where he's got to take a call from a mid-first-round pick asking for his number. That is buffoonery. Okay? Nobody can call up the New York Yankees and ask them for Mickey Mantle's phone number or Mickey Mantle's number because he's Mickey Mantle. Okay? The, the, the reality is nobody should be wearing Monty Coleman's number, Daryl Green's number, Art Monk, Gary Clark, Dave Butts, Joe Jacoby, Russ Grimm. Retire these numbers and honor them properly. They are the only men to wear this uniform and give us joy and satisfaction, and then we had to face 30 years of misery. And now this mid-first-round pick is taking our numbers? Sean Taylor is dead. Honor the man. He was a franchise player. We shouldn't be giving that number to a New York Giants safety. Let him earn it. Let these guys get on the field and earn it. Put on different numbers. That's my take, guys. (laughs) That's my guy. It sounds like me talking about the Bulls. <laughs> Jesus. Here's where I knew it was good, right? See, as, as, a, as a seasoned veteran of the passing scene when it comes to Brock, here's why I knew this was good at this point. Listen. The Redskins have drafted quarterbacks over the years and other players at high-end positions. They've paid a lot of guys a lot of money who could have taken numbers and didn't. Let's go to Tony in Long Island. Hey, Tony. Tony. Guys, how are you? Good, right, right there. That's, 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 that's what I knew it was good. <laughs> good, how are you? Yeah. <laughs> just, I, out of the box. When you, when you get that, it wasn't, it wasn't, hey, guys, thanks for having me on like we're here in Chicago. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Hey, hey, pal. Hey, buddy. Hey, what's going on? No, from the, from the jump. The Redskins have drafted quarterbacks over the years and other players at high-end positions. They've paid a lot of guys a lot of money who could have taken numbers and didn't. Let's go to Tony in Long Island. Hey, Tony. Tony. Guys, how are you? That's all, that's all you need right there. <laughs> guys, how are you? How are you? Good, good. Guys, how are you? That's all you need. As a, as a trained ear, I'm like, oh, blank. It's, <laughs> it's about to hit the fan. Joe Theismann. My thoughts on Joe Theismann. It's unbelievable, Joe Theismann. He's number seven. Like, I, I knew, guys, how are you? Is exactly what I like. Oh, blank. Here we go. I'm like, and, and, and again, just click it for the first time. Like, that's it. I mean, I love that passion because here's a guy here that's a New York Redskins fan that believes that his, that Theismann's number should be retired. You know what? You know what? The Redskins have drafted quarterbacks over the years and other players at high end positions. They've paid a lot of guys a lot of money who could have taken numbers and didn't. Let's go to Tony in Long Island. Hey, Tony. Tony. Guys, how are you? I'm telling you right now, Tony was right. I'm here to tell you, Tony was right. <laughs> like, yes, that was, it was, it's not over the top because that's how he felt. Like, anybody has that passion, that's fine. But Tony in Long Island was right. Guys, how are you? I mean, he, he was, that was it. You knew it was, you knew it was lit then. Glad you're with me here on ESP 1000. The ESP <laughs> app. Um, let me get to this. Let me get to the uh, the NBA playoffs. A couple of things. One thing I want to point out is that, and make sure you mark the mark the sound here, nine oh nine forty two Central Time. That I'm saying this. That Draymond Green is right. Draymond Green is right about something. I've been going after Draymond Green. 
uh, because, as I was saying on a previous show this week, that I just think it's very unfortunate that every time you look around, there are players that are complaining about calls. And I'm just thinking, man, why, every call, every dead ball is not a referendum on going after, um, going after officials because of bad calls. And so um, <laughs> I, I just think that the referees do the best they, ch- they can to make sure they get it right. Uh, but I, I just think that that's just amazing because I thought that um, that Draymond Green said it right. Where, Sean, tell me, um, tell me where that 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 Draymond Green sound is right here because it's right next to Steve Kerr here because Kerr says this. I didn't even notice the officiating. I don't think anybody did, and I think that's the best compliment you can give them. They did a great job, and this game was just about basketball. And then Draymond Green says this, and I believe that he's completely right. I think both teams just realized what the hell was going on the last two days. You can't really turn a blind eye to anything in today's day and age with social media and all these things. So everyone was aware of all the talk about officiating and about foul calls. Come out and play the game. And I think both teams did a great job of that. They weren't complaining about many calls. We weren't complaining about many calls because it's kind of embarrassing for the game of basketball. How much has been talked about about fouls and officiating? Like, what about beating your man? What about stopping your man? No one talked anything about schemes the last two days. It's all been about foul calls. So I think both teams were just locked in on coming out and playing the game to the best of their ability. And you got to give credit to both clubs. Uh, both teams did that. So the thoughts there from Draymond Green. Guess what? Draymond Green's right. How about this for a change? It is almost like a different guy. Okay. For someone that's always got his arms up and always complaining about calls, Draymond Green went to the press and said that, hey, no one's talking about our games. It's, I don't know who talked to Draymond Green. I don't know if he just slept on it and said, wait a minute, there's too much conversation about it. But if you noticed in the last game, in game two, where the Rockets once again got beat down, there was some smiling there wasn't a lot of conf- confrontation with the officials. What happened was it was like how the NBA actually should be. And I'm not trying to be this traditionalist and tell you that these players should be robots. I'm not saying that because it's an emotional game. You're trying to win. I get that. But at the same time, though, every single dead ball does not mean that you got screwed on a call. That's bad for the league. Draymond Green said it. I wish Draymond Green would have said that years ago because Draymond Green always complains about calls. Steve Kerr, when he played, always complained about calls. As a coach, always complained about calls. It's just interesting that it's Golden State and Houston because both of those teams, there is no analytics of this, but just as an NBA fan with the trained eye, nobody complains about calls except those two teams. <laughs> Everybody complains about it, but I think they would be at the top of the list of teams that complain about calls. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So guess what? Guess what? Kids... Draymond Green was right. Mark that sound. Draymond Green was right. Something on Kevin Durant in just a moment. Let me get to the Cubs here. The the Cubs, did you know this? The Cubs going into this series against St. Louis is are they're 16 and 12. Let me check that. Yep, 16 and 12. Cardinals are 20 and 10 coming into this. But I, I listen to the rhythm of this. In 2019, this season, they're 16 and 12. Last year, through 28 games, the Cubs were 16 and 12. In 2017, through the first 28 games, the Cubs were 16 and 12. They've been 16 and 12 for the through the first 28 games the last three seasons. There is one outlier, and if you're wondering, well, what about the year before that in 2016? 
they were 22 and 6. And that was a great start for them. The reason why I bring up those numbers in particular is that there is all this consternation. And this is where, look, everybody does, I, I tell Davis this all the time, like when it comes to broadcasting, everybody does it differently. I get that. I do it differently than most. For the better or for worse, I want to do it the way I want to do it, right? I, I just, but I just, as I, you can go through my shows in April and, and I, I dare you to try to find me, you know, complaining or yelling about the Cubs start in early April. The reason why I won't do that is because I know what a baseball season is. And I just won't be the first one to just jump on the mic at 7 o'clock and tell you, Cubs lost their first series of the season, and the season's over. Good night, everybody, from Chicago. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. What I'm doing is is that what I'm looking at is the ebb and flow of the season. I tell you the truth. Like, I'm looking at it now, but normally you won't catch me looking at the one-loss record until Memorial Day. The only reason why I'm looking at it now is because I want to see how many series that the Cubs lost. And yeah, it, they got off to a poor start, sure. But they were 16-12 last year. They're 16-12 this year. They were 16-12 in 2017. So, so the idea that there's always this, all this panic and wondering what's going on with this Cubs team. Listen, the Cubs are going to be fine. As I've been mentioning to you before for a long time, the Cubs are a team that are, are built to win. Now you're just trying to determine exactly what is going to happen with this team, with the other teams in the National League. Are they built to last? Yeah, they're a playoff team, but are they built to last? Those are the questions that you have to ask yourself. Glad that you're with us here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Again, 22-8. and So here's something here that I did not find before. How about this? How about uh, Jeff Passan from ESPN? Jeff Passan had a number of, of things to say. Uh, regarding the Cubs. One of them he talked about is Javier Baez and Chris Bryant. So he was on Well and Sylvie. Jeff Passan was talking about Baez or Bryant. Um, who's going to get the big contract from the Cubs? I love Javi Baez because I believe he is going to age better in terms of defense. I think he's going to be a middle infielder for the next 10 seasons. And I think you can shift him over to third base as well if that lateral movement uh, falls off for some reason or another. I still think Chris Bryant's a better hitter. And and I understand that Javi Baez has three times as many home runs this year and that Javi Baez's on-base percentage is actually higher than Chris Bryant's right, right now. But I believe in Bryant's bat long-term because Bryant takes walks and Baez doesn't. And I, I know that Baez's eye is, is something that I have been critical of him for since, you know, he was in the minor leagues, wondering just how good a player he can be. Clearly, he's a star. And, and clearly, even with that eye and with that walk rate, that's as low as it is. He has managed to become a star caliber player. Uh, in the long run, though, I'm buying Bryant's bat and buying Bryant's uh, glove over Baez. Uh, and, and, and I, I think that's probably – I'm probably uh, uh, in the minority there at this point. I also think that Baez is going to come cheaper than Bryant. And that's, that's a big, big part of this why I think the answer to this is I would sign Baez, but I would probably prefer Bryant. Hmm. Well, Jeff Passon's wrong. How about that? How about Jeff Passon's wrong? I'm going to roll the dice and tell you that I think that Baez has the better upside. I don't know what's going on with, with 
Bryant as far as his injury, but there was a time when Bryant was healthy that that guy could be a perennial MVP. And I think that we haven't seen the best of Javier Baez just as of yet. You think you mean to tell me that if you had a choice in the draft and those two were uh, were left, that you'd rather have Bryant? Here's the upside: when he's healthy and when he's focused, uh, Chris Bryant arguably is the best is a best third baseman that probably any of us has ever seen in a Cubs uniform. Think about that for a second. Yeah, even I mean, of course, he doesn't. He's not the nine-time All-Star that Tony that uh, Ron Santo was. Um, and I think about all the other Cubs third basemen, like Ron Say and and Bill Medlock was terrific. He was only only with the Cubs for I believe two or three years, but he's the best third baseman that the Cubs have had through baby boomers, through Gen X, through through millennials and and the next generation. I don't think anyone's seen a third baseman. Uh, that can be able to maximize his production like Chris Bryant when he's healthy. But having said that, uh, I think that Baez is a firecracker. <laughs> and I think that he can be the reason. He can be a catalyst for a baseball team. So so absolutely, I think I would take Baez over I would take Baez over Bryant. I think that's an interesting thought. Something else, too, about John Lester that was brought up, too, uh, on Cap and Company. Lester... There's some thoughts about John Lester from Jeff Paston. Is Lester a Hall of Famer? Yes or no? No, John Lester's not a Hall of Famer. And and I say that with an enormous amount of respect for what the man has done throughout his career. My threshold for Hall of Famer, especially when it comes to starting pitching, is is for a long period, at least a half decade, you need to have been one of the five to ten best pitchers in the game. And as good as John Lester's been, I don't think he has had that sustained level of excellence. Uh, he's had a sustained level of really, really good, and he is definitely a first ballot Hall of Very Good guy, and his postseason performance definitely juices his candidacy. I just don't see the, the peak, though, where my Hall of Fame standard and threshold is for starting pitchers. God, I'm surprised that you said that. I really am looking at his numbers. God. Wow, that I find that surprising, actually. I don't, I don't think John Lester has. I, I mean, listen, he could, he could be a guy who pitches for another six or seven years and piles up numbers. I don't think that's, that's what he wants to do, honestly. But he, he could theoretically be that guy because he's a lefty. And because he's really, really smart, and because he knows how to pitch, and because he competes about as well as anybody I've ever come across uh, in my 15-plus years covering baseball. Um, if he piles up numbers that way, then he's got a chance. But, I, you know, I think those peak numbers really, really factor into this. Thoughts there from Jeff Passon on Cap and Company. I knew that. When I even looking at the clip, I knew there was a cap question. I knew there was a cap question. But without even looking at it, it's like, hey, pal, no shot. Is John Lester. I was sitting with Mindy, right? And we're over at Lou Malnati's. <laughs> and we're having a great time. And I turn to Mindy and I tell Mindy, I says to her, I says, look, John Lester's a Hall of Famer. She says no shot. And I says shot. And she says no shot. So I'm asking you, is John Lester a Hall of Famer? Jeff Passing, yes or no? Shot or no shot? I mean, God. Okay, so 
here's some facts for you. John Lester has 179 wins, 179 and 99, an ERA of 3.48. This is fascinating. I'm scrolling down on Baseball Reference, right? And my favorite thing to do is take a look. I love this. I have it in front of me, too. You enjoy when I do yep. this, right? I do this with football, and I do this with, uh, with some, sometimes with basketball, but definitely with baseball, right? Because baseball is intertwined with numbers. So um, so here's the numbers. Uh, when it comes to similar pitchers, uh, the pitchers for uh, John Lester – he equates to Ron Guidry, who I saw play, Cole Hamels, Roy Oswalt, Dwight Gooden, who was terrific, Jimmy Key, who was great, Zach Grinke, Felix Hernandez, Roy Halliday, Sandy Colfax, and Justin Verlander. I just named for you two Hall of Famers. Uh, I can't believe Doc Gooden wasn't a Hall of Famer. Drugs. Let's cut I mean, it down. He was that good, I guess. Yeah. You're right. Oh, he was terrific. Yeah. I saw him, well, his first game against the Cubs, the Cubs bludgeoned him. But then he started getting that curveball and that fastball over. If it wasn't for drug abuse. Right, he, him and Daryl Strawberry just lived that New York life. Now let's take a look at similar pitchers through 34 years of age, because that's John Lester, right? So um, Justin Verlander, you know, Verlander was, was terrific, right, with Detroit. Andy Pettit with the Yankees, Dwight Gooden, Tim Hudson, Mike Mussina. Uh, Cole Hamels, John Smoltz, Roy Oswalt, Jim Bunning, and Zach Grinke. Uh, three of the ten are Hall of Famers. It's not crazy. And, and here's, I'll make the case for Lester. What's going to happen here with millennials that will be part of the BBWA, those that are going to be voting in the Hall of Fame, you know what's going to happen? They're going to look at all these numbers and go, how come these baby boomers were not allowing steroid guy in, uh, steroid cheat in, this guy, this guy, because the numbers say they should be all of famers. It won't be this generation. It'll be the next generation will be able to allow these guys in. Also, we will not get 300-game winners anymore in Major League Baseball. So we will get the standards lowered to around 250, 220, 225. You're going to get the Hall of the Very Good. That used Again, the standard used to be 300 wins or more. If Lester is around the 225 mark with wins, they'll look at, okay, no steroid cheat. No, he was a bad guy. No, he's a bad No, we'll put Lester in. He, he, it might, he may not know about it. It might be that long. It might take him that long to get in. But I'm just telling you that it's not crazy. It's crazy right now. But if he continues to, to pitch at a high level and gets around that 225 mark with wins, that could be the case. But to say he's all of famer now, absolutely not. And again, the standards are different. Roy Halladay, Sandy Koufax uh, are, are Hall of Famers uh, as far as similar pitchers that have the numbers like John Lester. So I, you know, I don't see that at all. Some thoughts about the uh, Kevin Durant, right? So... I like this from Kevin Durant. This is a piece that was written on ESPN.com from Brian Windhorst. Durant outplaying Harden when it most when it when it matters most, I should say. Durant outplaying Harden when it matters the most. I like this paragraph. Listen to this number. Over the Warriors' past five games, ever since Durant ripped off the mightily pompous but deadly serious quip that says, "I'm Kevin Durant." Yes, he had to realize himself that he was Kevin Durant, as he told the press. Check out these numbers. 55% shooting, 40% on three-pointers, 
91% from the line and 40% um, that he's been able to shoot. Crady. I mean, look at this. 55% shooting, 40% on three-pointers, 91% from the line, and 40.2 points per game. In Sunday's game one, he had 24 points in the second half to carry the Warriors home. Durant says, I'm putting everything together. Yes, he is. Knew he was great. Here's some other numbers for you. Over the Rockets' past four games, here's what it looks like. 32% shooting and 28% on threes and 28.3% uh, uh, points per game. That's eight points per game less than his regular season average. Talking about James Harden. He's gotten there only because he's still averaging 11 free throws a game and hitting 88% of those. You want to know the difference between a win and a loss for the Houston Rockets? It's right there. When the, Again, the past four games, 32% shooting, 28% from three, eight points per game less than his average. Don't, don't the Rockets know, hey, if you don't win the series, no one's beating the Warriors. <laughs> I mean, the feeling is like, okay, they get back to Houston and things will turn around. I don't think so. No, I don't think that's going to happen. They looked helpless out there. I don't care if, if Harden couldn't see with the, with the bad eyes. They, they, looked, they looked lost. They're a stacked team, too. But is but you don't want to get a Warriors team that's locked in and focused defensively and hitting their shots. That's crazy. Fifty five percent shooting for Kevin Durant. I mean, yes, you are Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant now is on a on a roll here. He wants to be able to be known as the MVP this year. You realize that that Kevin Durant, even though he probably won't say it in, out loud on a podcast or to the press. I think he looks at it and says, you know what, I'm not only going to try to take over this, the finals, uh, the playoffs, I'm going to take over the finals and be the MVP. Here's a stat for you. Durant has not finished in the top five of the MVP voting since he came to the Warriors. Last season when Harden won, DeMar DeRozan won, was on nearly as many ballots as Durant. <laughs> He probably won't finish in the top five this season either when when Harden is a serious contender to win again. But if there is a burr in the saddle of Kevin Durant, if he's pissed, that might be one of the reasons why he could be pissed. And it's like, you mean to tell me that people voted more for DeMar DeRozan than me? Well, you know, play with that. Play angry. Play with that ruthless aggression. We Hey, listen. In the in these playoffs, I'm sure that Kevin Durant will take it over and be the MVP of these playoffs. But we know how great he is. Maybe he needs that just for motivation, saying I keep getting dissed because I'm, I'm on as many ballots as DeMar DeRozan. Crazy, right? Well, I got something for you. I've got your Kentucky Derby picks. That's coming up next. Brian Hanley tells us who's going to win the Kentucky Derby. And, of course, don't forget. That's Jonathan Hood. So pay attention to my word, because it's the truth. Meditation is the mind. It brings the youth. It's like a verse you could never read out of a book. Dropping the line in your mind like a fish hook. On ESPN 1000. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Looks like Philly's going to beat Toronto. Four minutes left in this ball game here. Series is tied at one. Yep. You know what? I don't mind a seven-game series between two. Just be interesting. 
Just, you know, give me, give me a couple of tight games. I have no problem with that. All right. Tweet it out, Eric, um, at uh, ESPN1000, at TweetJHood, because what we're going to do now is going to give out your the Kentucky Derby picks. As we mentioned, we talked to Brian Hanley, longtime friend and uh, longtime co-worker for over 20 years. Brian is really good when it comes to picking horses. He owns a horse of his own, so um, he knows a lot about these big events like the Kentucky Derby taking place. We'll have coverage of the Kentucky Derby right here on ESPN 1000. Uh, some now some thoughts on, with Brian regarding the Kentucky Derby on Saturday. Well, you know, and, and look, everyone tries to, to hit the big payday. Um, uh, <laughs> I think George often calls me every year because like 15 years ago, I gave him the trifecta in the Derby and it paid like $1,600. So, you know, he acts like it was last year, so he still, you know, asked me to pick the numbers for him. Um, but it's really become like the final four, right? I went six of the last, uh, the last six uh, races, uh, derbies, uh, favorites won, right? Yeah. So you can't get away from the chalk that much, and it's because, in, in large part, they've gone to a point system in the last few years, and you have to win prep races or place or show and, and earn points to qualify for the derby. So, even so, Omaha Beach was going to be what nine to two, five to one, and uh, you know the fact that the favorite's going to be in the equation, and Bob Baffert's got three horses in in this field, and any one of those three can win, and he's going for his sixth Derby win. I mean, no one's a better dirt uh, a trainer of horses on dirt than Bob Baffert these days. So it's, but if you get to trifectas and superfectas. It costs a little bit more money to invest, but that's where, if you get you know some long shots coming in, you can get paid. I think the superfectors have averaged is over fourteen thousand dollars last four or five years. Um, but to answer your question, I, I of the Baffert horses, I'd be leaning towards improbable. Probably uh, you get Serrano Ortiz up, who was just on fire at Gulfstream uh, over the winter, and it's one of the top uh, jocks right now, and. Um, as soon as you, you know, but game winner, another Baffert horse certainly can win. Um, but then, you know, you start looking at, they, they got rain today, they're going to rain tomorrow, they're going to rain Saturday. So a lot of the closers or the horses are going to be mid-pack, are going some won't like the, the slop and getting, you know, dirt kicked in their face. But I'll just give you a, a couple horses to pair up with one of Baffert horses. And, you know, you're looking at uh, maybe... Uh, the the number one horse, uh, 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 Ward Will, yeah, Ward Will, yeah. Look, the one hole's not great, but really, I mean, when you have nineteen horses charging in at that first turn, even if you're eight, nine, or ten, you've got half the field still trying to cut over and get in front of you. So uh, he's got the speed to break and, and get out of that trouble and not get uh, get hurt uh, there. So. He's he's a guy uh, with Tyler Gaffleyon up. Uh, Tyler's ridden my horse um, before. As a matter of fact, I've, I counted five jockeys have ridden Hoosier Drama before, so um, I'm familiar with uh, a number of these jockeys. But um, Tacitus is another one that you can put underneath. Uh, uh, certainly, that you look at uh, some of the outside coat of honor. I I, I think. He's a closer that shouldn't be too far off the pace. And Shug McGahey, I think um, he's he's a horse that can get up there as well. And wouldn't be surprised if win-win-win is in the uh, equation too. So uh, a lot of people like Roadster. 
Uh, I wouldn't throw them out, but um, those are just some of the horses to put underneath. Pick a Bob Baffert horse and then pair up two or three other horses with them and, uh, you know, bet a trifecta, and, and you should be good to go. But uh, I'm probably going to use the one. I'm probably going to use uh, Code of Honor and uh, maybe win-win-win to, ter- uh, to team up with uh, Improbable. There you have it. Brian Hanley gives his picks on the Kentucky Derby. And again, that's going to be part of the Under the Hood podcast. If you missed that, it's going to be there in its entirety for you to find toward the end of our conversation with Brian Hanley. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you're with me on this Thursday. It is Thursday, you know, and we've got a good one for you, okay? Think about your days back in the day when you were a kid, things that you really enjoyed. That's why we have Throwback Thursday. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Before Snapchat. What is that? Before Twitter. So what's the sitch? There was. That's so throwback. Those were the good times. That's so throwback. ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Throwback Thursday memories. I see a little silhouette of a man. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Put your hands on the throwback. All you need is love. Taking it back. Go back. The throwback. The throwback. Under the hood with Jonathan Hood. Let's lay it back. And it is Throwback Thursday. Right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And Jonathan Hood with you. Yes, remember the days when you were a kid, you really, really enjoyed your life. And you thought, I don't have to worry about bills. I don't have to worry about mortgage. <laughs> you were a kid. And you just thought, that's why we have Throwback Thursday. Just for you to just think about the better times, right? So here's the topic that we have for Throwback Thursday tonight. Our Throwback Thursday topic is... What is the one store that you or your family love to shop in that isn't open anymore? Pretty simple, right? There's got to be a store that you once went to, or a department store or a grocery store you went to, said, man, I wish that was open. Let's and that's why we had Throwback Thursday right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. So I will, uh, Eric, you know what? You start first. I have my choices. I have several, but I'm going to narrow it down to one. Give me that one store that you used to go to as a kid and it's just not open anymore. All right. Mine is, and it really wasn't like a fancy night store or anything like that. It was, I don't know if these were even anywhere else. White Hen Pantry? Is that? Yeah. It is now a 7-Eleven. But like to me, this White Hen was a big deal because it was like across a busy road from my subdivision. So like when we got old enough in the neighborhood to ride our bikes across it. It's like, all right, we're going to White Hen. Let's get some jolts and some pixie sticks. Like, let's go. <laughs> that was our place. So, like, White Hen was always like, oh, we're old enough to go take a trip. So, like, that was my place as a kid. The tree behind it. We did some nefarious things behind there. Of course. Mm-hmm. I, of course. <laughs> no, uh, no, I live two blocks away from old White Hen. What used to be a White Hen. Now they've changed into yeah, yeah. Whole bunch of different things. Convenient, whatever. Yeah, they've all been bought out. Um, they've, they're also like a, a bootleg phone store. Nice. Like there's a whole bunch of like, it, it's like, you know, all Cash these things. for gold. And you can tell, by the way, what used to be a white hen because the sign is different, but the roof 
uh-huh. the brown roof was always, and you could always tell by the architecture, like, that used to be a white hen there in, uh, I think there's one in Oak Lawn. I know there was one definitely in the southeast side when I was growing up. But, yeah, that is that is really interesting. Yeah, so that's one for Throwback Thursday. So let me give you... That's throwback. Let me give you one that I loved. And you always look for the black and white sign of... You know, discount clothes, toys, whatever you need. You always went to venture. Get the feel of it. Do you feel of it? Day after day, the good deal of it. Cause saving adventure. That's saving with style. So there you go. That's, that's a, little, a little venture for you on a throwback Thursday. Throwback. Right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, how about this? Um, <laughs> somebody says uh, on here, Handy Andy. Remember Handy Andy? Chris yes. Clinton says Handy. Handy Andy, let me tell you something. You need to get yourself a hammer. You need yourself some nails. You need to be able to get yourself some two-by-fours. Handy Andy. I mean, it, I mean, it's a funny name, but Handy Andy, restaurant quality. We've got Frigidaire's Jet Cone Automatic Washer at a money-saving $268, and it cleans clothes cleaner than the best-selling brand's best washer. Independent laboratory tests prove it. Watch what happens when we put a sock in this Frigidaire washer. Now we'll put it in the best-selling brand's best washer. It gets clothes clean, but you can buy this low-price Frigidaire washer and get clothes cleaner for only $268. So buy yours now at your handy-andy TV and appliance store. Now, that's a that's a damn good sale right there. Right. <laughs> Frigidaire, here I come. Frigidaire. <laughs> Put on the poll at ESPN 1000. Do you call your refrigerator a Frigidaire? Yes or no? He did say Frigidaire, right? Yeah, he did. He, Frigidaire. Do you ever see you still use the phrase Frigidaire? <laughs> I always still make you Frigidaires uh, on a Throwback Thursday. <laughs> That's tremendous. Um, oh, John Coleman says Polk Brothers. Polk Brothers brings you the miracle of moisture in an exciting new way: the Douglas Ultrasonic Humidifier, quietly atomizing up to four gallons of comforting humidity a day into your home or apartment. Polk priced at only $99.95. And with your Sonic Mist Humidifier, for only $4, you get a Polk Brothers Extra, your own money-saving Cobra Telephone, complete with a 25-foot extension cord. Oh. See the Douglas Sonic Mist Humidifier at all Polk stores today. 25-foot uh, extension cord, just good enough to be whooped with. Yes. <laughs> to get my ass beat with. Yes. It's always good to have a little extra. Right. So if you're across the room, that 25 feet, useful. It just, it, I mean, it was one to have like 10, but you get 25. I mean, that, that's good reach uh, to try to get a, a Jonathan Hood uh, back in the day. Uh, as we do Throwback Thursday, the question that we have for you is, what is the one store that you and your family love to shop in but isn't open anymore? That is part of our Throwback Thursday here. It's a whole bunch of... Ricardo uh, Gutierrez says Zare, Tops, Kroger, the Boston store, Robert Hall. Robert Hall was a, a clothing store. Robert Hall was, I think, the first time that Chet got free clothes, um, free suits at the Robert Hall. Um, so let me see. Oh, well, here's a question. Now, we don't have a commercial for this, but 
Is this still in line? Jeffrey Wright says the Sears at Fox Valley Mall in Aurora. Now, wait. Sears open. Sears is still open in some places, right? Most of them have shuttered. I know that. Like I think I think they've bankrupted most of their their comp their businesses. So if there's any open, it's just random small ones here and there. Go ahead, Sean. That was one in Madison that just recently closed. So I think they are defunct now. Yeah, the one in my town is now a Mariano's. What happened to the one on 79th when they popped the popcorn? Where that that one's closed too. Yes, that's how that one shuttered there on the quarter as well. That's not right. Yeah, well, but like there are some still open. But I think, like you said, mostly I go through online. You know what? Needed some help with the washer dryer. Sears came over. Sears so. will be that. They'll give you some frigid airs if you need. <laughs> the throwback. The number of people is this saying uh, Zares. Uh, yeah, so Zares. I'll, I remember going there. There's a brand new store in town. It's called Zare. Take another look. Take another look. Take another look at Zare. Take another look. Take another look. Look at all the fashion Zare. Take another look, 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 Drag got off the uh, the 95th East uh, bus right in front of the Goldblatt's. Everybody's hurrying to Goldblatt's for good old-fashioned savings. It's Goldblatt's fabulous one-day-only sale tomorrow, Thursday. Goldblatt's great low prices on brand-new items, values in every department, with extra late shopping hours to help you save even more. Look at these great values. Save $7 an Oster 10-speed blender, only $19.99. Colgate toothpaste with NMFP, only 89 cents each. Hurry to Goldblatt's one-day-only sale tomorrow and bring a friend. That guy got paid a good 50 bucks for that extra tag. (laughs) He came in strong with that. (laughs) The voice was totally different in the tone and everything. Davis, did you make your vote? What is your vote for the store that you wish was open today? This store was the biggest tease in the world. I would ride with my dad to 95th, get off, see Funtown. I think I was headed there only to be pulling up in the parking lot of Courtesy. Courtesy, your number one store for Courtesy. Project. Fight high energy costs by installing CertainTeed 6-inch fiberglass insulation. With $1 rebate, your cost is only $9.99 per roll. Seal your windows and doors for years with GE Silicone 2. A special silicone formula improves adhesion and durability. A great value at only 99 cents. Courtesy, we'll show you how to do it right. Courtesy Home Real talk. Courtesy Home Center. That was the first place I worked when I was in high school. Wow. Yep. 95th and Stony. I worked. I worked at that Courtesy Home Center when I was in high, at, at that Courtesy Home Center when I was in high school. I remember it well. Must have been a pretty good lunch break. It, it was a good lunch break. Actually, too long, and I got fired. <laughs> Jonathan Hood. And I got what it takes to rock the mic right yeah. On ESPN 1000. <laughs> Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Weeknights on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. I'm going down to Alphabet Street. 
Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Fun show today. Got a chance to talk to Brian Hanley. Have not talked to Brian in a while. Brian gave his Kentucky Derby pick, so it was good to hear from Brian. Also, Chris Ranji. I have not talked to Ranji since last baseball season. He's working at 101 St. Louis, so it was good to be able to talk to him as well. Uh, I am still interested in the NBA playoffs, even though I saw that there was a blowout for Toronto. Is Toronto real? Is Philadelphia real? Is Boston real? What's real in the Eastern Conference? You know what we've discovered is that I think we're all missing LeBron James. <laughs> You're looking for a second storyline after the Golden State Warriors, and it's like, well, where? What is it? And it's gonna be it's gonna be a dogfight in the East to try to figure out who's gonna come out on top. But still, whoever wins the East is still going to be a process for them to be able to sustain themselves as a strong contender in the East, especially with Golden State on the other side. So it's uh, it's going to be interesting. It's not. I'm still watching. But I'm just want to see some entertaining games out of the Eastern Conference. Who's going to emerge? Of course, we are the home of the NBA playoffs, so we'll have a lot of that tomorrow and over the weekend right here on ESPN 1000. I thank you for listening being part of the program here on ESPN 1000. Our thanks to James Fagan and Brian Hanley and Chris Rogers for being with us, Eric and Sean on the other side of the glass. Don't forget the Under the Hood podcast. Wherever you download your podcast, look for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Find episodes, find content that you might have missed from days ago, from weeks ago that you might have missed. As always, I appreciate Thanks for listening. To Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. Jonathan Hood. I'm so hood. On ESPN 1000.